0: Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Orr. So, without further ado, here he is. Good morning. Today's message from Pastor Jared comes from Luke chapter one, verses fifty-seven through seventy-nine. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they, sir- they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace.
1: Thanks, Andy, for reading scripture this morning. It's great to see everyone here today. Uh, Before I begin, I just want to enter into prayer. One more time. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have because of your word. We thank you for the promises that you have given us. We thank you, God, for your ongoing work in our lives and in our world. We pray this morning, God, that you would show up by the power of your spirit through the working of your word. And, God, I thank you that you make weak people strong through your power. And I just entrust myself to you this morning and ask that you would use me. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving and that it was a meaningful time of really giving thanks to God uh, for all that he's done. I don't know if anybody has a Thanksgiving detox plan, but I would be interested in hearing about it because my pants are a little snug this morning. I don't know if you're feeling that, too. But Thanksgiving is over, and we now turn a quick corner and head into the, thank- uh, into the Christmas season. It's hard to believe that 2014 is almost over and 2015 is coming. And today, we're going to begin a three-week series on Advent. We'll be asking God to really center our hearts and that this season will be filled with attention and focus on Jesus Christ, the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. I don't know what your experience of Advent has been throughout your life, but I grew up in a small Methodist church, and we would celebrate the Advent Sundays. One of the things I most remember is each, each Sunday we would light the Advent candle. And each candle would symbolize one of the great themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. And these are the things that we're going to talk about throughout this sermon series focused on Advent. I want to begin by sharing a little bit of the history of the Advent season. The word Advent means coming. Back in the Eastern Church, the earliest origins of advent was centered around a 40-day period of preparing for baptism. There was a strong focus on repentance and reflection, very similar to how we celebrate Lent nowadays. But in the 6th century, Advent shifted in the Eastern Church to focus more on the Nativity celebration, celebrating the birth of Christ. In the Western Church, centered in Rome, Advent has always been characterized by a very festive and joyful celebration of the birth of Christ. In certain parts of the Western church, there was an emphasis focused on the second coming and when Christ will return again. So even in the history of Advent, there's two distinct themes and even moods that surface. One is a very somber mood focused on repentance and reflection. And the other is a very joyful and festive and celebratory mood. One theologian notes that Advent is caught in the collision of two conflicting interpretations and practices. I think this is true for many of us personally based on our stories or the circumstances of our lives. For some, the Christmas season is filled with tremendous joy. Wonderful memories celebrating with family and friends. There's great anticipation for the season. But for others of us, this is a time of year where you remember loved ones that you've lost. You remember the pain or the disappointment or the loneliness that has marked your story. And Christmas can be a time that's very sad, a a time of grief. I just want all of us to be mindful of this as we approach Christmas, but there's others whose Christmas celebration is vastly different than our own. That's why I believe the message this morning is so important. It rallies all of us together, no matter what our experience of Christmas has been, been. Today we'll be talking about hope. And hope is so foundational to the Advent season. It's one of the pillars in not only the Christmas celebration, but the Christian life. Hope is one one of those things that I think we all long for. And yet, I think for many of us, it's very hard to grasp and to hold on to hope. I think one of the challenges for us is that we use the word hope so casually. We say things like, I hope it doesn't snow today. I hope my child sleeps through the night tonight. I hope the Cubs will one day win the World Series. Yeah, I don't know. Johnny says I don't think so. <laughs> For me today, I hope somehow, some way, the Packers will figure out how to beat the Patriots. All these statements reveal hope as wishful thinking. But true biblical hope is so much more than that Hope is similar to faith that there's a confidence there's expectations about the future that are very positive. Hope always looks forward to what lies ahead and biblical hope is always centered in God in his plans and his promises, not merely in the circumstances of life which can be so up and down. So here are some of the defining phrases that I want to offer as we begin related to hope. Hope is positive and confident expectations about the future. And hope is always centered in God and his promises and his plans, not in circumstances. Some of the questions I want us to be asking this morning is first, where is your hope barometer at? Right now, today, how would you rank your level of hope in your life? At the Thanksgiving table with our family this year, I shared that I'm thankful that God is growing hope in me in this season. I'm not claiming to be a Jedi master of hope. In fact, honestly, in my Christian journey, hope has been very hard for me. It's one of the things I've I've had a hard time grasping and holding on to. But I'm grateful because in this season, God is growing hope in me and teaching me to be more hopeful. So one question I want to ask you, where are you at today with hope? On a scale 1 to 10, how positive and confident are you about the future? The second question I want us to be asking throughout this message is, what would it look like for hope to rise in this Advent and Christmas season? This message is going to encourage us that hope is possible. No matter what your circumstances are, hope can rise in each one of us. We're going to be looking at this passage in Luke 1 that Andy read for us, and specifically this song sung by Zechariah. Zechariah was a Jewish priest, and he was married to a woman named Elizabeth, and they were of old age and without children. An angel appears to Zechariah and tells him that his wife will bear a son who will prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Zechariah thinks about his wife. He thinks about how many birthdays she's celebrating, and he thinks there's no way this woman is going to have a child. Because of his doubt, God struck him mute, and he 's unable to speak until his son is born. When he's able to speak, he begins to praise God, and he speaks these amazing words of hope about his people and about his son. And the first of two points that I want to make this morning from this passage is that hope can rise. In the agony of life, hope is possible even when life is difficult and hard. Reading, starting in 68 of Luke chapter 1, it says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David It's important to understand what's going on with the people of Israel at the time of John's birth. The people of Israel were in this midst of a long stretch where they were oppressed and they were under the rule of other nations. It started back in the Old Testament times with Babylon and then Persia, and now they're under Roman rule. And I want to look at some of these verses to highlight the agony of the people of Israel. First, verse 71, it talks about the enemies of Israel and how they were trapped under the oppression of those who hated them. I think this is really hard for us to grasp, living in a free country like we do. But for the Israelites, living under the dominion of others, generation after generation, there had to be the sense of defeat and long-lasting despair and discouragement. As a father, I was thinking about what it would be like to raise my children in a setting like this, to teach my kids how to deal with oppression, that things might not get better anytime soon. How do you fight for hope in the midst of oppression and being under the dominion of others? Verse 74, it alludes to the fear that the people of Israel struggled with. It talks about how they longed to serve God without fear. They were struggling to keep their spiritual identity under pagan rule. The temple of Jerusalem, which was the center of Jewish worship, had been partially destroyed a half dozen times since the close of the Old Testament. Their centerpiece of worship was constantly under attack. And I can't imagine what it was like for them as they had to repair the temple time and time again. There had to be thoughts like, what is the point? It's going to get destroyed again. Their struggle was not only physical, but it was spiritual. And Zechariah then talks about the prophets of long ago in verse 70. And it truly was long ago since they last heard from a prophet, one who spoke for God. We're not talking about months or years or decades or centuries. We're talking about 400 years. The people of Israel have been waiting for God to speak. In the midst of their suffering and their waiting, God seems to be very quiet. God seems to be very absent. So we're talking about a people oppressed, full of fear, spiritually struggling, and desperate for God to show up. And do something. Maybe this morning you can relate to this a little bit. Maybe this is where you're at in your life to some degree. Your life has been filled with lost hope, disappointment, more struggle than you could ever imagine. And you wonder where is God in all the agony? Often in the silence, God is setting the stage for the next act. For the audience during intermission of a play, there doesn't appear to be anything happening. But behind the curtains, there's a lot going on getting ready for the next scene. Maybe in your life, it's a period of intermission right now. The curtains haven't been drawn yet for you to see the next part of the story unfold. And even when God seems silent or God seems absent, he is still at work. God is always at work setting the stage for the next scene. For the people of Israel, in their agony, they were waiting. Waiting for the promised Messiah holding out hope that the day would come soon. And now hope was about to finally arrive. God is unveiling the next act of the story to fulfill his promises. Hope is beginning to rise again for the people of Israel. And Zechariah begins to declare this hope. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Zechariah is filled with praise and joy before God. And you would think it would be because of his newly born son that him and his wife have been waiting so many years for. But it doesn't start there for Zechariah. He is filled with hope because of the coming Messiah. The great hope for the people of Israel. Zechariah says here that God has raised up a horn of salvation for us. The horn of an animal like a rhinoceros is a place of power. What he's saying here is he's prophesying that Christ would be a powerful king who would bring redemption, bring salvation. The people of Israel had waited so long for the promise to be fulfilled. And that is what hope does. Hope waits. Hope waits on a promise. And this is where I think a lot of us get tripped up with hope. Too often, hope becomes a feeling. It becomes wishful thinking, like I mentioned earlier. But hope always banks on a promise. I'm the furthest thing from being a handyman. My wife can attest to this. I admire and I'm jealous of guys who are good with tools. Remember Tim, the tool man, Taylor? home improvement. I looked it up. The show debuted in 1991, 23 years ago. When I read that, man, I'm I'm feeling my age. All of our youth group students were not born. I don't have many skills when it comes to using power tools and such, but I have drilled my fair share of holes in a wall on purpose. And if you're drilling, I understand one thing. It matters What you're drilling into. If you're drilling into drywall with nothing behind it, you're gonna have a problem hanging up anything of substantial weight. Either you need a stud behind it or you need an anchor to give you confidence and certainty that something's gonna hold. So many of us struggle with hope because we're not anchored into the right things. We're often anchored into the circumstances of life. the circumstances of, of life, whether good or bad, they're hollow. They won't hold when it comes to building hope. For hope to rise in us, we need to be anchored into the promises of God, which are sure and certain for us. This morning I want to share a few of these promises that I believe we need to bank our lives on in order for hope to rise in us. The first one is that Christ promises his presence. There's so many verses that talk about this. Matthew 28 is one of them. When Jesus has resurrected, he's about to ascend, he says to his disciples, and surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age, Jesus Christ promises to be with you. He has given us the promise of his presence. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In this life, you will never be alone. Another promise is God promises his provision. One verse that tells us about this is Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Christ will provide what you need. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be anxious. He will take care of you. A couple weeks ago, I had to bring our car into the mechanic. And I always get uptight. When this happens, I always get worried what is the news going to be about? What's wrong with my car? And how much is it going to cost? So I was dealing with my anxiety and my worry. And I don't always do this well, I actually rarely do this well. But in one of the moments that I was kind of stressing out about this, I just began to repeat the phrase God will provide. God will provide. I'll tell you what, it was amazing. Within a few moments, God brought his peace. He gave me hope that God will take care of our needs. The final promise I want to just share with us this morning, there's so many in scripture, that Christ promises to return. The end of this verse, it says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed At his coming, one of our greatest anchors for hope is that Christ will be coming back again. And on that day, he will make everything right. And he will bring us into his eternal kingdom. All pain, sorrow, sin, brokenness, and death will be swallowed up in the victory of Christ on that day. It's a promise that we need to remember often. We have so much hope for our future together as God's people. The people of Israel were down and out. They were desperate for God to show up. But in the midst of their agony, they were holding on to the promises of God. Zechariah's prophecy reveals the promises of long ago that they were waiting to be fulfilled. And we need to be a people who build our lives on the promises that God has given us. Hope is possible, even in the agony of life. Hope can rise even when life is hard. We begin to anchor our lives in what God has told us is true. What he's promised to us in his word. The second and final part of this passage is going to turn to Zachariah's prophecy over the life of his son. And we will see how hope will begin to rise through a movement of Christ's people. I'm going to pick it up in verse 76. Zachariah's speaking of John. He says, And you, my child, be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. No pressure on this newborn baby. But it all started out with Zechariah, the first to know of God's plan for the coming Messiah. And now his son, John, is brought into the movement of what God is doing. John was assigned to be the forerunner, the one who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. John would be one of the catalysts for a movement of hope among the people of Israel who would follow Jesus. I just want to remind us, as we're talking about hope, That hope will not rise permanently through a better government, through a better economy, through growing world peace. These are all good things, of course. But they will only provide temporary, short-lived flashes of security and comfort, but not long-enduring hope. Hope rises when people experience a revolution of the heart through Jesus Christ. And their life is centered in the ways of the kingdom of God. John was asked to prepare the way, to call people to repent, to experience forgiveness of sin and salvation through Jesus. It wasn't a political movement or revolution, like the people of Israel were expecting. It was a spiritual revolution, a revolution that would start in people's hearts. Continuing on in verse 78, it says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah begins to tell us more about Jesus. He talks about Jesus' coming like the rising sun. Now Christ is the true light of the world that will shine as the one true hope for those trapped in darkness and in the shadow of death. I love what the famous uh, bishop in, in South Africa, Desmond Tutu, once said. He said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. There's too much in this life, in this world, that drags us down that leads us to despair and discouragement. Everything that's happened this week in Ferguson, Missouri, is a sad example of the despair, the brokenness, and the darkness in our world. The darkness reminds us how much we need the light. Christmas is a time for us to remember together That Christ came to rescue us in our darkness and bring us into the light of his truth and his kingdom. And he has called us together to be a people centered in his life, light, and filled with hope. And we have every reason to be a people of hope because what Christ has done, what Christ is still doing, Looking back on my life, I believe that hope is one of the greatest gifts that I've experienced in Christian community. Going all the way back to to college, being in life together community with other believers, other followers of Jesus, gave me so much hope for what God is doing and what God will do in the future. We need each other in community to remind us that Jesus Christ is our sure and certain hope. And 2,000 years ago, God invited Zachariah. He invited John to be a part of his movement of hope. And they were. They were beacons of hope, pointing people to Jesus. And God is still in the business of inviting ordinary people like you and I, to be a part of his movement of hope. But here's the thing about hope. Hope is not meant to be held onto, but rather to be given away and shared with others. Zechariah and John were hope bringers. You and I are invited to be hope bringers in our world. And I believe we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have every opportunity to be beacons of hope wherever we go. As you follow Jesus in your everyday life, I believe you will shine because the light of the world is with you. And Christ wants his light and his hope to go out. This season, beyond all the fun of Christmas, The lights and the decorations, the cookies, the Christmas tree, the presents. More than all of that, people in our world need hope. Hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate how much of a beacon of hope that you can be in this world today. Hope is one of the greatest gifts we can give to those in our lives. And we need to keep asking God to awaken and rekindle hope in us. This is a part of the sermon where I often turn to a Lord of the Rings illustration. It's been a few sermons. I feel it's time to bring one back. I always have to double-check my facts with Yvonne because she's an expert with Lord of the Rings and I am not. But in the return of the king, in the last, in the trilogy, things are not looking good for the good guys. Despair and discouragement is growing among them. This white-bearded man Gandalf, with Pippin they ride to Minas Tirith, this fortress castle. And they call upon the guardian of Gondor, this Dude in the left lower left corner, Denethor, right, honey. And Denethor is a bad guy. He's stubborn. And Gandalf is telling Denethor, "You need to call for the aid of others. Enemy troops are approaching. You will not be able to hold the castle on your own." But Denethor is stubborn. He refuses to call for the aid. Of others and so Gandalf sends Pippin the Hobbit up to the top of the castle. There's this beacon up there. When the beacon is lit, it calls for the aid of other troops. P- Pippin sneaks his way up, he lights the beacon. There's this beautiful scene as the camera pans through the mountains. You see beacon after beacon being lit. Among the people of Gondor and other nations, other troops are rallying together. They will come to Gondor to aid Gandalf and Pippin. In the midst of this scene, Gandalf says this phrase Hope is rekindled. Hope is rekindled. Maybe if you were honest this morning, you would admit that you have lost. Life has become too hard, too full of disappointment. The cards seem stacked against you. You wonder how you could experience hope right now. Or maybe for you, life is good right now. You have no complaints. But the reality is, the reason life is good is related to the things of this world, the circumstances of your life, not based on what God is doing in you wherever you're at this morning i believe that this christmas season god wants to rekindle hope in you and it all starts with his son jesus christ there is no other beginning for hope than our savior who came for us charles wesley in 1745 he penned the words of this great Him. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing. Jesus Christ truly is the hope of all the earth. This Advent season, we prepare the way to celebrate that Christ came and that Christ will come again. Our future as God's people is always bright. No matter what we're facing right now, We have the the promises of God to hold on to. We have God's plan for our future, which is glorious, to bank our lives on. Jesus Christ came and he began a movement of hope in the world, shining as the true light in the darkness. And we are invited to be part of that movement of hope and what God is doing in our world today. My prayer for us this morning is that we would not only believe that hope is possible, but that we would begin to experience afresh the rekindling hope centered in Jesus Christ. And as we are rekindled with hope, we would not miss out on the opportunity to bring hope to others hope that is desperately needed in our world today. May hope truly arise in us this Christmas season as we prepare the way to celebrate our Savior's birth. Let's pray together. God, I pray this morning that we would uh, just even in this time to pray and to come before we come before you. We would just be honest with where we're at. We would be honest where our level of hope is today. Because maybe the truth is for many of us, we're putting our hope in, in all the wrong things. And we invite you this morning. To recenter us. Recenter us in the hope that is true and lasting. The hope that is built upon you. And the truth, God, that you are a great and amazing God. You are a God who has good plans and have given us a hope for our future that can be, never be taken away from us. I pray in the, the busyness of Christmas, the noisiness of Christmas, or maybe even in the sadness or grief of Christmas, God, that you would bring us back to yourself, that we would find true life, true joy, and true hope as we celebrate the truth, God, that you came for us. You didn't let us be, but you fulfilled your promise to rescue us out of the darkness of our sin and our waywardness and the darkness of death. And you brought us into the light and the truth of your kingdom and what you're doing in our world. And we see it every day on the news. There's so much despair, so much discouragement in our world today. But I pray that we would be a people that do not waver. We hear the news reports. We would not lose hope. Because our hope is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and nothing else. So God, do what you need to do in us to bring us back to put our hope fully in you today. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church.